Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 1. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. In John's Gospel, you know if you've been with us, His gospel opens beginning with eternity and beyond history. John tells us what Jesus did before he ended up in the manger. Look at chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, come on, read it with me. In the beginning was the Word. Chapter 1, verse 1, saints. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If you've been around here at Calvary Chapel, you know. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are known as the synoptic gospels. The word synoptic means to see together. And you know that Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they tell us what Jesus did in the area of the Galilee. The gospel of John focuses on who Jesus is and what he did in Jerusalem. The emphasis in John's gospel is the deity of Jesus Christ. John's point is to show that Jesus is the Son of God. The word made flesh. Look at verse 14. The only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. Remember I told you the word full has the idea of very, very great. His grace and his truth is very, very great. It's overflowing with grace. And that's really, really good news for us sinners. Because the word of God, Jesus became flesh to be gracious to us. And that graciousness comes in harmony and solidarity with his truthfulness. Look at verse 18. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. That means that Jesus has made the Father known. That means that Jesus has brought the Father out into the open. Remember I said that Jesus, uh, it was Jesus who said, if you've seen me, who knows the rest? You've seen the Father. So John's gospel is written with very deep intent to declare the Father and to declare Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Are you listening? Remember I told you that John's gospel is very deep and yet it is very simple. John uses the vocabulary of a seven or an eight-year-old, approximately 600 words in his vocabulary. John's gospel is simple and transparent and yet beautiful and truthful. The early church fathers considered John the greatest theologian of that day. This John of the Gospel of John is the writer of five books of the New Testament. The Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and who knows the last one, the book of Revelation, very good. And at the time of his, this Gospel, John is about 90 to 100 years old. All the other apostles are martyred and dead. Paul has been beheaded. John is the last living apostle. John is the first to follow Jesus and the last to die. John begins chapter 1 by telling us the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. 
concerning the ministry of John the Baptist. Look at verse 19. John, the apostle, gives testimony to the ministry of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. John the Baptist was the forerunner or the one who paved the way. John's job was to point people to Jesus, did you know? John was a witness of Jesus Christ. We talked about that the last time we were together. We pick up in chapter 1, beginning in verse 35. And here in chapter 1, verse 35, Jesus finds his first disciples. Today, I want to talk to you about discipleship. Everybody claims to be a Christian, but are they disciples? Did you hear me? Everybody claims to be a Christian, but are they disciples? If you ask 10 people, you get 10 different answers. Billy Graham said, salvation is free, but discipleship costs everything we have. You got a pen? I'm going to give you five stages and or characteristics of a true disciple. Number one, I want you to write this down. Number one, a true disciple will transition, will transition in verse 35 through 37. Number two, a true disciple evaluates. You might want to write down transition and evaluate or evaluation in verse 38. Uh, Thirdly, a true disciple understands submission. You'll find that in verse 38 through 39. Number four, true disciples are on a mission in verse 40 through 41. And finally, we'll talk about today, a true disciple continues to transform or transformation in verse 42. Transition, evaluation, submission, mission, and transformation. I've titled this sermon, Are You a Follower? Really? John chapter 1, saints, we pick up in verse 35. I'm happy to be back in the gospel of John. Happy to be back with you. Chapter 1, verse 35, if you're looking at verse 35, say amen. Amen. The next day, look at verse 35. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And then Jesus turned, and seeing them following, said to them, what did he say, saints? What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, when translated teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and see. And they came and saw where he was staying, and remained with him that day. Now, it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he, Andrew, brought him, Peter, to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at Peter, he said, You are Simon, the son of Johann, Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. 
Saints, stop right there. Giving your attention earlier in chapter 1, you might find it right about verse 29. John saw Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And John sees Jesus again here in verse 35. And he says to the two disciples, Look, there he is, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And when he said that, The two disciples made a change, a transition. Point number one, the first stage of true discipleship is transition. The word disciple, if you're taking notes, you write this down. The word disciple means a student, a learner, an intern. In John's gospel, we have the first use of the word disciple. And don't confuse, listen, don't confuse a disciple with being a Christian. You can be a Christian and not be a disciple, but you can't be a disciple and not be a Christian. And unfortunately, in the church, there are many Christians, but few disciples. Somebody once said, it is possible to have a saved soul and a wasted life. Isn't that true? It is possible to have a saved soul and a wasted life. In other words, you're a Christian You've been saved, but you haven't come to the place of complete surrender and and, and abandonment of yourself. A saved soul, but a wasted life. We know so many people like that. Not used of God. They haven't surrendered to God. They haven't abandoned themselves to say, God, here I am. Whatever you want to do with me, God, you may do it because I am your servant. And when I gave my life to you, God, I gave you my whole life, not half my life, not half my heart, not a quarter of my heart. But God, I gave you my heart. Now take it and use it for your glory the way you want. That's complete abandonment. That's what God is looking for. Say amen. Amen. Yes. This is what he wants from us. This is true discipleship. God is looking for disciples. God is looking for people who will follow him with everything they have, with every fiber of their being. God, listen, is not looking for Jesus groupies. God isn't looking for groupies. Jesus is not looking for groupies. He's not looking for people who will clock in their half hour in church weekly. Jesus is not looking for people who fit a little bit of Jesus in their life. Jesus is not looking for people who who will add him to their life. Y'all need to hear me. He's not looking for people who will add him to their life. Jesus is looking for people who will allow him to become their life. I'm going to wait. Thank you. To become their life. True discipleship, listen, is forsaking one thing for another. Forsaking the world completely to follow Christ wholeheartedly. Jesus is looking for those who will allow him to become their life. What do you mean, pastor? Where do you get that from? Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. There's no new thing. I'm not making this up. Philippians 1. 21, Paul said, for me to live is Christ. Y'all getting that? Is Christ and to die is gain. 
Paul isn't saying Christ is an add-on to his life. Paul is saying Christ is my life. My life is made up of Christ. Like a wicked man's life is made up of sin. Paul says my life is made up of Christ. Christ is the principle of my life. I get life from Christ. Christ is the end of my life. I don't live for myself. I live for Christ. Christ is the joy of my life. Oh, where are my people at? We're talking about true discipleship. Again, he's not looking for an add-on. He's not looking for you to be a groupie. There's plenty of groupies for Jesus. They go to church a little bit on Sunday, go to church a little bit on Christmas and Easter. They call them creasters. <laughs> Write that down. Are you a creaster? I'm a creaster. God's not looking for creasters. That sounds creepy, doesn't it? Creepy creasters. God's looking for people who will allow him to become their life. He is the joy of my life. And can I tell you something? God, today, today, today. This day in my life, God is the joy in my life. He's a reason I exist. He's the reason I be. I wait while somebody clap your hand. He ought to be the reason you be. He's the joy of my life. The world is so depressing nowadays. Isn't it? Look at the newspaper and the CNN and Pierce Morgan and I don't know why I said him. But look, it's just so depressing. There's so many problems in the world and things going on. Christ is the joy of my life. For me to live is Christ. Look at verse 35 tells us these two disciples were students of John. They were following the teachings of John the Baptist, and now they need to follow the teachings of Jesus. They were disciples of John, and now they're to be disciples of Jesus. They needed to wholeheartedly follow and embrace Jesus, the Lamb of God. Now listen, no matter what brand of your Christianity, no matter what brand of Christianity you follow, for example, some say I'm a Methodist. And when you say you're a Methodist, you're saying that I'm a disciple of the teachings of John Wesley and George Whitfield. Some say I'm a Lutheran. When you say I'm a Lutheran, you're saying that I'm a disciple of Martin Luther. Some say I'm Presbyterian. When you say I'm Presbyterian, you're saying that I am a disciple of John Calvin. Some say I love the teaching of John MacArthur. Some say I love the teaching of David Jeremiah. I love the teaching of Chuck Swindoll. I love the teaching of Chuck Smith. I really, really love the teaching of Pastor Rodney. I really love the teaching of Pastor Rodney. No problem, listen, with any of that. But the most important thing, and perhaps I can get a witness in this house, the most important thing is that you are a follower of Jesus. That's the most important thing. That you are a disciple, not of a teacher. Listen, I'm trying to help you. Not that you're a disciple of a teacher or that you're a disciple of a man or that you're a disciple of a system. All of these denominations are instruments that should point people to Jesus and not to uh, themselves or to their denomination. 
Some people know what their denomination believes, but they don't know what the Bible says. That's the truth. They know what their denomination teaches, but they don't know what the Bible says. And thus, some people are disciples of their denomination. Well, I'm Kojic. But some of y'all like, what's Kojic? Y'all think I'm speaking in tongues, huh? Kojic, Church of God in Christ. Some say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Methodist and I'm Presbyterian, I'm Episcopalian, I'm, you know, I'm a member of this church, I'm a member of that church. And you know what your denomination believes and thus you are a disciple of your denomination. Wrong. John says, you've been my disciple here in our text. Are y'all with me or what? John says here in our text, you have been my disciple, now be his. John says it's time to transition, to change over, to switch from following the teachings of John to following the teachings of Jesus. In other words, they leave John's church and they go to Jesus' church. You got me. Point number two, evaluation. Every true disciple should evaluate why you follow in verse 38. Look at verse 38. Jesus said, what do you seek? Now, if you have a red letter Bible, you see these words are in red letters. Why? Because these are the first words. You might want to write this in your notepad or your margins. These are the first words that John records Jesus saying. And it's interesting because the first words in Jesus' public ministry is a question. What do you seek? Do you know? Let me have your attention. Look at me. Do you know that God loves to ask questions? And when God asks questions, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. Say amen. I know you knew that. You knew that. It's not because he doesn't know the answer. When God asks questions, it's so that you can search and you can probe and you can evaluate. It's for your benefit, not God. God knows everything. God loves to ask questions. Anybody know? Just yell it out. Anybody know what the first question is in the Bible? The first question in the Bible. What is it? Adam, where are you or where are you, Adam? All right, where is it at in the Bible? Yeah, I know Genesis, but... We're at in Genesis. Some of y'all like Genesis. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. I know the word. <laughs> well, <laughs> y'all think y'all nickel slick, don't you? <laughs> y'all like Genesis. We're at in Genesis. Genesis chapter 3, verse 9. The first question in the Bible. God wasn't asking because he couldn't find Adam. Amen. God wanted Adam to know where Adam was, spiritually. God wanted Adam to evaluate and probe where he was. Here's a few more questions in the Bible. Matthew chapter 16. Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they give Jesus a series of answers. Some say this, some say that. And Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? Again, probing and evaluating. And Peter says, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus said, bingo, right answer. Here's another question. John chapter 5. Jesus comes up to the paralyzed man at the pool of Bethesda. And Jesus said, do you want to be made whole? Now, what kind of question is that for a paralyzed man? Hey, 
You want to get better? The man said, of course, but there's no one to put me in the water. And Jesus said, take up your mattress and walk. And he did. One of my favorite stories and questions in the Bible is in John chapter 21. Jesus shows up to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. It was after breakfast. And Jesus said to Peter, he said, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Now, the Greek word for love that Jesus used was agape. The Greek word that Peter used when he said, I love you, is phileo. Peter said, yes, Lord, I phileo you. Phileo is brotherly love, close friend love. Jesus asked the question again, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know I phileo you. And Jesus said, shepherd my sheep. And a third time, Jesus asked the question, Peter, do you love me? And this time, Jesus used the Greek word phileo. Peter, do you even phileo me? Like a brother, like a close friend. Peter said, Lord, you know all things. And you know that I phileo you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus went on to say, Peter, when you were young, you will go wherever you wish. But when you're older, you will stretch out your hand and others will take you where you don't want to go. Jesus was speaking of Peter's death and his ministry. Now, if you ask Jesus, if Jesus were to ask you today, listen, what do you seek? What would you say? If Jesus said to you, what do you want? How would you answer that? All I want is a wife. All I want is a husband. All I want is success. All I want for Christmas is a two front teeth. Sorry. How would you answer that? Do you realize? That Jesus is still today asking people, what do they want? Today, to a lost world, what do you want? The problem is people don't want Jesus. It's unfortunate. Look at what's happening in, what has happened in New York. And so they have two major catastrophes in um, 9-11. And the Twin Towers come down. And, and in 12 years, think about that. Now you've got this, this storm, this hurricane. And it was awful. People even still today are without power. Even still today. And I've not heard anyone on TV as you watch the news and stuff, you don't hear people saying, you know what? You know, we need to thank God that more lives, you know, could have been lost. Uh, We need to praise God and give thanks to God. I don't hear anybody talking about God at all. I hear people talking about, well, you know, community efforts and we're working together and we're getting this together and people are using long extension cords to go to other people's house for power and all of that. But no one is wanting Jesus. No one is saying, listen, I want to give thanks and praise to God because God has spared lives. People don't want Jesus now when in fact Jesus is what you need. 
Uh, am I right about it? Jesus is what they need. And I honestly think, listen, I'm, I'm by no means am I a prophet or anything like that, but I'm just saying that in 12 years, these two major, major catastrophes hitting this one city, it would, wouldn't you think that somebody should buy a clue? And if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and then I will hear, heal their land but they don't want Jesus. And so we hear a lot of talk about, you know, there's a great revival in the last days. I've heard this a lot. You know, there's going to be a great revival in the last days. and So many people are going to be coming to Jesus in the last days. Listen, the Bible does not say that. The Bible says, as a matter of fact, on the contrary, in the last days, men will be departing from the faith. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.